Welcome, everyone, to Jewish History Soundbites. This is Yehudi Geber with the episode number 100, our 100th episode, a very big milestone for Jewish History Soundbites. And uh, going through these, this podcast is uh, quite a journey, a taste, at least a little taste of the trips and journeys and tours that we do into our Jewish past and uh, on all the wonderful trips and tours that we take across uh, the Jewish life in Europe and Eretz Yisrael. So in honor of the 100th episode of a special uh, occasion, to it was actually a very big privilege to get to interview uh, one of the great uh, Jewish uh, historians of today, Rabbi Dr. Aaron Rakefet, and that a very nice interview will be in two parts, the 100th episode and hopefully the 101st as well. And um, it was an incredible interview, it covered a lot and he was great, and as always, and we covered quite a few topics in, in over the process of this interview, his childhood in the Bronx, um, the exposure that he had to his great Rabbeim, even at a young age, some of the uh, Altamirs who had just come over from Europe, whereas Rabbeim, he um, spent some time in Lakewood and had a relationship with Rabbi Aaron Cutler, Rabbi Schneer. The rela- he described the relationship that Rabbi Aaron Cutler had with Rav Salvechik, who was his primary Rebbe later on in YU, describing also YU in those days and his relationship with the Rav, Rav Salvechik. Um, and the the contrast between Lakewood and Yeshiva University during that time, a lot of the personalities of Lakewood, a lot of the personalities of Yeshiva University's relationship with Rabbi Feinstein, uh, some fascinating stories um, of of Jewish life at that time, his connection to baseball and why that's important for Chinuch, and uh, really covering uh, a lot of the breadth and depth of many topics. So we hope you enjoy this interview, and here it is. A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Gare The 11 prolific team members slain in West Germany out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words? It is never too little. It is never too late. And it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geberer. Welcome everyone, uh, Yehudi Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. We have a very special episode today. Uh, it's their interview episode. Um, we're here with uh, Rabbi Dr. 
Aaron Rakefed Rafkov, a long name, and a long, a long list of accomplishments. The uh, author of numerous books um, and sfarim, including the best-selling The Silver Era by Rav Lazer Silver, a very uh, incredible and wonderful biography also of Rav Revel, whose yard site is this week. Um, countless popular sfarim on various topics. He has thousands of Talmidim around the world, many of whom still listen to the twice-weekly shiurim, um, also spent the years working for the Mossad with special classified missions in Russia. Maybe we'll declassify some of that. You'll get to hear a little bit about that. And many accomplishments in Chinuch and Rabbanus. And... I just, uh, as a result of uh, Chris Kolel and yours truly, the whole army policy with missing in action has been changed. And that's the most fascinating story of all. And although I'm under a security clause, I'm allowed to speak about that aspect. The generals of the army spoke about me on Galei Tzahal. So, Baruch Hashem, but don't talk about achievements, because I want the Yibani Shalom to know I have a lot more that I want to achieve. Okay, we hope we hope to, to accompany with that also as well. So maybe um, we'll, we'll take a step back and we'll start off, you'll tell us a, a a few general things. Maybe start off a little bit about your childhood in New York and a little bit about what the world was Ch- like Ch- that day. Childhood in New York is very simple. I'm only sitting here because of a gentleman named Sempo Sugihara, Zeichet Tzadik Levracha. I'm a third-generation American. My parents were born in Harlem. My father played sandlot ball with Hank Greenberg, who lived around the corner from my father. And we would have gone the way of all flesh. Actually, I found out many decades later, I had very big jichas from my mother's side. I'm a Calvarisky, so that I relate uh, to the Rosh Yeshiva of Hebron as a cousin, Rabbi David Kohen. He's a Calvarisky. Rabbi Dov Revel, the founder of Torah in America, is a Calvarisky, and there are others. But that I only found out many, many, many decades later. And... I was in public school, and the teacher told my mother, you know, I'm growing up in the Bronx, a third Jewish, a third Irish, a third Italian, two-thirds Catholic, one-third Jewish, and I was a wild kid, and the teacher says to my mother, your son has a Jewish head, he learns very quickly, he doesn't belong here with these Italian kids and Irish kids, why don't you send him to a parochial school where he'll have a dual curriculum? Minishamayim Zikuni, that the only yeshiva in the Bronx was Israel Salanta, and it was five little blocks from my house. So second grade on, I'm in Salanta. Well, the teachers then, they really were in Shem Shabbos. These were people who tried to make a living in America, fell flat on their face, lo yitzlachnim, uh, but they learned Gemara in their youth, they could teach, they weren't a living example. They were great Zionists, and they did give us a feeling of the beauty of a, a Jewish state, fighting for it and then seeing it born. However, in seventh grade, I come face to face with new Rebbeim, people who didn't speak a word of English. I barely spoke a word of Yiddish, and uh, my entire life changed. I'll mention Reb Geshen Yankalovich was my 7th grade Rebbe, Reb Henek Fishman was my 8th grade Rebbe. These were the Shanghai survivors who Sempo Sugihara saved. 
and that's why I'm sitting here today, plain and simple. Um, after high school, after elementary yeshiva, I was took the exams for Bronx Science, like every good Jewish kid with a good head. I was accepted for four years. I got uh, letters from them. They're so stupid. This is my that they thought I was actually there. Four years I was getting letters. Um, but Reb Henech said to me, no, you're not ready yet to leave the yeshiva world. I wanted to be a medical doctor. And he said, academy. I hold you should go to Talmudical Academy. He arranged an exam. I had uh, missed all the exams. And I almost flunked the exam because I come in and there's Reb Mendel Zaks sitting there giving exams to Chafetz Chaim's son-in-law, long beard, black clothes. I never saw that before. I'm trembling. And I read the Gemara, and then he says to me, Zaga Bissel Rasi. And I didn't know what he say, a little Rasi. What is he talking about? And an older fellow, in my book, by the way, I traced who we, Rabbi Anderson couldn't believe I located him and what he did with his life. Rabbi Berman whispers to me, he means Rashi. I don't understand. And I said the Rashi and the Taisvis, and I made the second level of Sheyurim in Talmudical Academy. I have to say between um, later in TA, I went to Lakewood. I uh, was overwhelmed by Rabbi Mankatla. I actually had a very warm, I, I would even say deep relationship with him. He was Makarov's own, who was a devout Lerin in Teira, wanted Libo Choshka Bateira, and uh, I wanted to stay in Lakewood desperately. But my parents were hysterical. I have to give college a try. I made a deal, I'd go to YU for one year, and if it's not good, I can go back to Lakewood. Well, my first college class in Yeshiva College, 1955, was the first class Professor Louis Feldman was teaching, Zechet Tzadik Levracha. And he walks in, a Harvard graduate, he looked like some Greek-Latin character who he was the expert about. And he gave a class on biblical criticism. I have utilized that class I would say tens of thousands of students have heard me speak about the Gilgamesh epic with the flood, the Hammurabi Code, the Hittite Code with Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. That's all due to Louis Feldman. So I remained in yeshiva, but I had one advantage that many people don't have in this era. I never am negative towards any Torah point of view. I grew up, and I'm going to speak about this Thursday night in my book launch, my new book, my ninth book. Um, the rub strengthened this feeling. Halacha demands, commands, obedience, respect. Hashkafer is multilithic, and everyone has to find his own view and configuration in accordance with his abilities and understanding and his physical, sociological uh, emotional, psychological makeup. And that's a great gift. And I'm proud to say I have students in Eidah Charedit, in Akurit Yisrael, in Mizrahi, and to the left of the way I feel, um, I respect them all. I, I have my point of view. I've often said, and I've been quoted, and I'm happy to hear people quoting me, 
we have to help the Haredim come into the big world because they're going to take over Israel. The birthright and the Aliyah and all that's going on. But in order to take over Israel, you have to know how to run a country. I said, we have to help them. But at the end of the process, I don't want to see the Haredi look like Aaron Rakefet. <laughs> I want to see the Haredi remain the Haredi. Remain what he was before. My lifestyle is for me. I have many grandsons have beards. What can I, you know, I'm happy, wonderful. I don't know if it's from Karayesta. Well, it saves time shaving or one is a career officer. It's easier in the army to wake up. And, but they all their beards. Can I inherit? So... This was my youth. This was my training. I have to give credit. To, uh, it's an amazing thought that a little Bronx kid like myself, a third generation American, my mind, uh, baseball, the Yankees, Joe DiMaggio. I mean, when I go to Yankee Stadium today, I still see Tommy. I, I see Tommy Henrik in right field, Joe D in center, and Charlie Keller, King Kong Keller in left field. It's hard for me to make my peace with the new type of baseball we have today can you can you tell a little bit about that because on one hand you are the bronx kid who is famous in all your drushes for being a big yankee fan you have your famous hespit of joe dimaggio and you still keep that love and excitement today and what did baseball do for you and well uh, well you see baseball it, it represents your youth and uh, if you had a happy childhood it it inspires you your entire life it's there's the Ramban, there's a famous Ramban in Chodesh HaZelachem, Rosh Chodashim. So the Ramban raises the question, why are the names of the month all Chaldean, Babylonian? Why not Hebrew names? And the Ramban says so beautifully, to remind us where we came from and to be proud that we came out of such an atmosphere and look what we became, Am Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael. Kahal Yisrael. So, you see, even though we've moved light years away from uh, the Bronx, from Yankee Stadium, and the Magic's not here already 20 years, not a small matter, but it's good to look back and see, Baruch Hashem, I was Ani Roskoff, and today I'm Aaron Rakefet. But never to deny you were once Ani Roskoff. And I look back, Baruch Hashem, we, we, we had good moments. I can tell you one episode that captures my youth, the year, a true story. My Rebbe before uh, the Rav was Rav Shmuel Lezavolk. I had in my first two years of college. And Rav Shmuel Lezavolk was an Adam Gadol, was a Telza, was a Gonadir, the Sharei Toha, Kadshim Tarat. But never what Hitler did to him in Europe, he would have been tells the Rosh Hashiva. He learned Bechavut of Basril with, with Rabbi Azriel Rabinovich, the son of Rabbi Chaim Rabinovich. That was his Chavruta, the tells the Rosh Hashiva's son. He was killed by Hitler. Rav Volk was saved by YU, by what became YU, Rabbi Revel, who loved Tells because he had studied there. The only time he ever studied in the Yeshiva was in Tells for, for only a term, they say. But he brought Rav Volk to America. But he never really Americanized, always caught between two worlds. So one time, the game, the Yankees, the, the season is beginning. And Boston, the Red Sox, this was the hated Red Sox, the competition, come to the Bronx to play the Yankees. So we had one kid in class, he was wealthy. What is Pshat wealthy? When transistor radios came out, 
he had the money. His father was a rav. Why you must knock out of the 20s? But he ran it. He was a businessman. He had a radio. So he sat in back. And at the board, they put on the board Boston Yankees, Red Sox Yankees, first inning, you know, a, a box score. And they flashed up to the guy sitting near the board. It, it, it was either Jerry Churvin or it could have been Mo Berlin. These were Hevraman. Hevraman in Zichonim Levracha. And on the board would go zero, 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 one. The Yankees, uh, by the time we davened Mincha, we had the first three innings marked off. So, you know, we were kids. We boasted around the yeshiva, but we knew what the Yankees were doing. It evidently got back to Ravotzius because he had sons in the yeshiva. And we come in about two days later, and Ravok looks around the class, and he says, I'm living it in Yiddish, but I'll try to say it in English. If they would have told me in tells that they're yeshiva boys that can waste their time with in the middle of learning to worry about baseball I couldn't believe it. And he says, this is the way you treat your Rebbe? I will not give a shear for you gangsters. And with that, he slams the Gemara shut and walks out. It was a put-up. One minute later, Mr. Abrams, who ran the yeshiva, comes in and suspends the whole yeshiva, whole class. So we're downstairs. It's unbelievable. You see the American kids, so they listen to a little, they like a baseball, but they're learning in shear. It's just a second, you see, a zero or one. So Mr. Abrams understood that uh, it's not right. So he told us, look, he says, I understand you, but your Rebbe was hurt. I would advise you to write the letter of apology. So we wrote a letter, everyone signed it. The next day we were allowed back into class, and life continued. But this captures the conflict. In my own life, um, people like you, everyone making a living here off the Americans coming, it's an industry here, you all owe me 2% to find this fee. I'm, I'm from the I'm the only survivor of the original faculty of the first school that exported Torah to the Anglo world, based Medal Torah, 1969. I mean, how it, it's unbelievable. But we began ten students going dreams, and what I said, Ani, because you're beginning with ten students, one million Americans will ultimately be affected, mm-hmm. and 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 it's an. But what was the secret of Rakefet, Rothkoff, Rakefet, Rakefet, Desh Rothkoff? Very simple. He was someone who knew, I don't want to say, I'm a Godel B'tayra, but Baruch Hashem, I have nothing to be ashamed of. Shas and Paiskim, Dalet Chalkei Shulchanarach, Shedepun Shuvet, Chidush, Psakim, Derev Paskim, Lahalacha, Rebavavetz, etc. Spoken learning with the Rav, with Rebavavadu Yosef, with Shlomo Gorenshik, etc., etc., on the other hand, my baseball knowledge was a perfect combination for these American kids. They could identify. And, um, um, and you should know that the kids I'm friendliest with until today, kids, they're all hitting 70. It's the Talmudim I taught in the 60s and the early years of VMT. Later, they become older, the Kruskolel. They're not Talmudim anymore. They're my, fr- they're my colleagues. And if anything... Younger kids, I try to influence. 
Today I walk into class, they want to influence me. Rebbe should have a long beard and pay us <laughs> some black clothes and a gabai and a silver cane, etc. But this is baseball, nothing. I have a grand, let me t- bring it up today to have a, my first great grandson. I have many great grandchildren today. Can I inherit? Many. Baruch Hashem. My first great grandson. So he's a big boy already. So I see him at a family simcha nup Sharon for his brother. And he's looking at his iPod. I, you know, and these kids are way ahead of me. What I know, what they know, a hundred times more. I said, what are you looking at? He shows me a soccer game. So I tell him, well, I can understand that. When I was a kid, I loved baseball. I can understand. Then I say to him, Tagidli, uh, his name is Yishai, Mayotel Chashuv, Lumon Torah, and he says to me, he gives me that angelic look, Saba, Atayudeya, Lumotaraza, Davachi, Chashuv, Avachutz Likita, Mutali Mistakel, Bimishak. And then in my perfect classic modern Hebrew, I answer him, Zim Chuvakazot, Kanita. Got it? You gotta know modern <laughs> yeah. Hebrew, you gotta know slang. Safa Shukit. Slang, right? Modern Hebrew. All right, that's that's baseball, right? The, uh, Amazing. Uh, there's a lot more to talk on right. baseball, but we'll leave it at that. Now, you mentioned before a few minutes ago that you that you had gone for a period of time to Lakewood, right? Can you elaborate on that period and your connection to Rabbi Cutler during that time? Uh, here, here's the story. In order to get in Lakewood, you had to go for a Bechina by Rebaran Katlar. I wrote this up in Washington. I was told by Lakewood people that my description of Rebaran is the most moving description that anyone has ever written. And um, I was house was two, three stories up, you know. And I figured I'm going to see angels in the house. I'm a kid of 16, 17. And this I is before you went to Wyoming. I had to get... No, I'm in Tamalikal Academy. Right. I'm a, either a junior or a senior. And uh, I have to take this Bechina to go to Lakewood, try out Lakewood. And um, instead of finding angels, grandchildren were shooting darts at a target on the wall <laughs> and delivering around. We're sitting, and he gave me a Fahera Bechina, and Ichabayska chapped the Masha, and his eyes lit up like Sifri Torah, no pupils. I saw Sifri Torah in his eyes. I saw Za Ahavasa Teira. Such love, and I understood already. Here's Rabaran, all that he went through, all that he saw in Europe, and here's an American kid out of nowhere. And uh, the American kid, Libo Hushka Batora. And all right, we went to Lakewood. Lakewood then was very different. It was, I would say, you walked in, you had to put a gas mask on of Lithuanian air. Okay, <laughs> if you didn't. Uh, if you didn't uh, speak Yiddish and didn't understand the mentality, and and there were the survivors, there were the Talmidim who gathered around Rebaran, who he was not just a Rosh Hashiva to them; he was their father. They had survived with miracles, and and you could see the confluence of what was and what will be, and Rebaran's his total commitment. I've often said in Gris Kolel, I'm only sitting here because of Rabbi Rankata. What does it mean? 
who ever heard of Kayyumim in America? Right, Torah Adas had a Beit Medrash which was partially Hasidus already, but it was off the beaten path. It was a Munsi. It didn't create the ripples that Lakewood created. Rabarin said America is no different, and Mindaf Lerin and nothing else counts. Now, whether we agree or disagree, you know, college, university, it's not important. What's important is Rabarin put the message across that we have to achieve the highest level of learning. And ultimately, every yeshiva can call them. Why you? I can't count already. I think there are four major kolalim, three in America and one here. Check where it goes back to. It's true. Why you had a kolal in the early 50s, but that wasn't the kolal for Americans. It was Rabbi Belkin, the second president of Shmuel Belkin. It was Gemilat Chesed, the Europeisha, the survivors who hadn't found a home yet in America. He made a kolal. Could they, could they adjust? And once they adjusted, the kolal uh, uh, ended. It, it wasn't the concept that this has to be ongoing. Today already, uh, there isn't a, a, a YU graduate on a level of learning who doesn't study in one of the YU kailalim. So, and this goes back to Rabarin. Did you have a personal connection with Rabarin? Yeah, no, no. I, I had more than a personal connection. I was a chutzpah the kid. And I can remember arguing with Rabarin about Zionism. And uh, I told him what I saw in B'nai Kiva. And uh, by the way, my theory is had Rabarin come to Israel, he would have been in the Mizrahi world like the rest of his family. Is, uh, you can't deny what happened to the Meltzer family in the state of Israel. The first test of yeshiva is the result of, uh, of Rav Meltzer's son in, in Rehovah. It was essentially a Kletzk yeshiva. Uh, it yeah. was called Kletzk yeah. originally. But it was a Hesdi Yeshiva. Right. And Rabbi Huda Amital, the biggest uh, Hesdi Yeshiva in Israel, is a grandson of, of, of Rabbi Sussam Meltzer. But Rabbi went to America, and I remember his answer to me. He didn't argue with me. He said, This is min davkein vaita. In other words, it's not the ultimate hashkafa. And uh, I have to tell you, in B'nai Akiva, there was one gift that I got that you couldn't get anywhere else. And that was not to let money influence you. Uh, it was kibbutz adati. Uh, there, there was an education there that the Torah people, the Jewish people, mean more than anything. And that has to be your ultimate goal in life. And that I got from B'nai Akiva. Eretz Yisrael, Am Yisrael, Torah Yisrael, with all the sacrifice involved. And believe me, I came here 50 plus years ago it was not easy. For me, it was easy. I did the same thing I did in America. I was in Habat Satora. But uh, for my wife uh, to, to run a kitchen, to raise children, not to have an extra guru, she don't know what the economy was like here. You got to give the good credit. They clear, it was a communist economy. And I, I was on the books. Uh, I'm teaching for the Jewish agency and teaching for the state of Israel, Michalah. You're on the books. Everything else was off the books. You have no idea what, what was going on here. And it was not easy. But these were the seeds of encouragement and commitment and Ibigigebenkai that I got from B'nai Akiva. And I think Rabarin understood that. Uh, it, it was a terrific experience. Like, but also, on the lighter side, I've written about this. I'm an eyewitness. I don't have to give you any source. I saw it with my own eyes. Rabarin, when Kedusha was over, 
he turned around right before the Kel Kodesh Bracha was finished. It's a Machlekes HaPaiskim. Uh, an American kid, an idiot, went over to Rabbaran and uh, told him, uh, Rabbi, in the Shulchan, Kitsa Shulchan Aruch, it says, you have to wait till I kill our Kodesh. And Rabbaran looked at him and says, I would have told the kid you're an idiot. Rebaran Kotlik, let's go to Shishiva, you open your mouth. You're rebuking him, reprimanding him. This was under the day of This was Lakewood, this was Rebaran. How long were you there? Ultimately, it adds up to about half a year. I was there for three months, then I came back, and I came back, and then I started Yeshiva College. And I, I made, uh, yeah, there are people I knew there were, Rabbi Yankel Schiff, Rabbi Yankel Schiff, he's in Shalayim later, his nephews went to school here in this building. Ah, oh, an Adam Gadol, an Adam Gadol. A kid from the Bronx, I also think he was, I know his parent, his father had at Hunts Point Market in the Bronx, he had a stall, and he was an Adam Gadol, a giant. Later, when I got to know Aaron Lichtenstein well, I always thought of the two of them in the same camp. They had the same big forehead. I said, what a big forehead. It's an Adam Gadol, Adam Gadol. And they married cousins. Uh, no, Rabbaran and, and, and um, Yankel Schiff. Very, very special. Um, in Lakewood, everyone spoke about Shloimel Kalbach. When I was there, he already had left. But still, he was a living presence, if you understand what I, what, what I mean. There was Getzel Rosenblatt. He was the Balmanagain. And uh, I can tell you a story. Getzel says it didn't happen with him, but he heard the story, too. He's not alive. He just died uh, this past year. I have wonderfully... You know, I'm talking about Kugarten's Hills, the Stibble there, Keta, Kesetera. That was Reb Getzel. He married a girl from an innkeeper from the Bronx, Telma Glicksman. Someone I knew well from the Bronx. So I'll tell you a story. I, when Rabbaran was in the yeshiva for Shabbos, which was quite often, of course, but during the, he, as many Shabbat he was in New York, as fundraising Sunday, etc. So for Shabbos um, they would always introduce a new niggin, and uh, they, they introduced this niggin. Uh, on top of old Smokey, covered with smoke. On top of old Smokey, la 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 la, la 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 la, etc. If, if I had a voice, Kalisha, if, if I'd be a woman, Kalisha would not be us. We can get the message. So uh, Rabarin loved it so. He said, Nachamo, Nachamo. And some of the American wise guys were biting their lips, you know, not to laugh publicly. But that, that way, the, the Europeans, you didn't know the difference. Then there was Moshe Hirsch in the yeshiva. And, he was there with you? Oh, sure. I knew him very well. And he was always sitting in a corner and with a nigan, learning, learning. So when I came in Aliyah, I went to see him right away. I said, Moshe, what became of you? Baron wasn't like this. He said... No, you didn't know Rabaran. I knew Rabaran. You know, this is like with the Rav. I hear this all the time. This one knew the Rav. That one knew the Rav. You didn't know the Rav. And I say that. I let them. But Maisha Hirsch, you see, also Rabaran didn't succeed. The Rav didn't succeed with all his family. The Rabaran didn't succeed. Look at his son today. Maisha is gone. His son. 
just came out in public. We all have to worship Allah. Yeah, you're aware of that? That they have to go online to our, to our rich Sheva or some other website. I think Chaim Shulson and Olamam Shacharedim has it as well. He gave this whole talk of giving back the whole country to the Palestinians. And we all have to worship Allah. And this is a, a, a Jew with a beard and prayers. And God have mercy what can happen to human beings. As Mishle said, Rabbi Hankin has a big arichas on this and the tzid in the sakdamata. You know, God created man yasha. But what man does to himself is, is, is it's beyond comprehension. But there were, there were other people in Lakewood, uh, Weisberg, Angela Weisberg. I remember one by one, Reb Moshe Eisenman, the uncle, the nephew. Oh, they, they were living Sifre Torah their whole life, everything. Oh, it, it, it was a breath of Lithuanian air. Today you go back to Lakewood. It's an American institution. It's uh, you went to visit Lakewood. Yeah, recently. no, it's many yeshiva thunder. It's like Mir. I always say about Mir, it's a tent. It's a big, big umbrella. Uh, my own feeling is the yeshiva can't be more than three, four hundred students. Even when I go to YU, it's too many. It's too many. Uh, but all right, the world moves on. I have to. Uh, you, 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 was YU less than three, four hundred students when you were there? In my time, the whole yeshiva from uh, first year high school through smicha, so you had about five hundred students. Wow. It was not massive. I knew everyone from nineteen fifty one on. I knew every good kid in Reitz. I, I it, it, the yeshiva was called Reitz. It wasn't the high school. When I was appointed to the faculty, I was appointed to Reitz. Uh, but in reality, later they split the high school, the college, everything mm -hmm. is separate. The advantage of being all one unit was, as a kid, I met the giants of the yeshiva. I, I could be intimate with the Baron Lichtenstein. By the way, I have to tell you, the one who influenced me the most to go to Lakewood, uh, I don't think uh, Lakewood uh, is, uh, or why you, I don't think we're proud of him, Dovey Hartman. Dovey Hartman was unbelievable, was a brand, was a, his story, his elementary school was Chabad, high school was Chaim Berlin, then he went to Lakewood, and uh, then he married, Rebbe told him, and he had a girlfriend, you can't dilly-dally so long, and Rebbe told so when he got married, he needed Panasa, so he came to YU, and he was an exception to the rule, he got smicha, without a bachelor's degree. He did not yet have a bachelor's. He gets that later from Fordham University when he's in the Rabnet around the corner from Fordham University in the North Bronx, Northeast Bronx. And I knew Dovey. Dovey was a brand. But all right, what happened? I can still remember <laughs> the Brit of Dovey's son, Daniel, and there's his old cover from Lakewood, Schleimel Karbach with his guitar. I can still see them in front of me winking at each other. And all right, that was a different part of Lakewood. But that's life. You, right. can't, you can't succeed. Thank 100%. you for listening to part one of this interview. We hope you stick around and join us very soon for part two. This is Yehudi Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at ygebss at gmail.com for questions, comments, tours, and trips. In the last six months or so, and since we started Jewish History Soundbites, our listeners have enjoyed tours all over Israel, up north in Sfas and Tveria, 
in the Bnei Brak Tel Aviv area in Yerushalayim, the old city, the Machane Yehuda Shuk, and full of loads of history, and of course, all over Eastern Europe, Poland, Lithuania, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, and more. So join us on our next tour. I will also be in the United States um, from December 23rd to, through the 28th, the week of Hanukkah, and I will be available for speaking engagements. You could contact me for that as well, and uh, we hope you enjoyed.